0: All right, well, I'm going to jump back into Revelation, try to tie some timeline together, and this week try to get through chapter 20, but to get where we're going, I'm actually going to back up to chapter 16, verse 17. That way we get an idea of, in the timeline, where we're at. So I'm going to just go ahead and read through, and we, we'll get to chapter 20, read through it. And then we will uh, open up with a prayer and start our verse by verse. Revelation chapter 16, starting in verse 17. You're going to have to pull the game down just a little. All right. Then the seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air, and a loud voice came out of the temple of heaven, from the throne saying, It is done. So... We've got a lot of chapter, we've done a lot of study between Revelation 16, 17, but in Revelation 16, verse 17, it is done. Uh, So let's, we'll tie those other things together. And there were noises and thunderings and lightnings, and there was a great earthquake, such a mighty and great earthquake as had not occurred since men were on the earth. Now the great city was divided into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell. And great Babylon was remembered before God to give her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. That leads John to write chapter 17 and 18. Uh, Remember, part of what we talk about when we talk about great Babylon is not just a city. It is the religious ideas that started in Babylon with Nimrod, and it is that false religious system that men have followed since just after the flood, all the way up until verse 17, it is done. God will be allowing throughout history, future, People who want to believe a lie, he's going to allow people to believe a lie, and that is that great Babylon, that false religious system where essentially man worships man. Verse 20 Then every island fled away, and the mountains were not found, and great hail from heaven fell upon men, each hailstone about the weight of a talent. Men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hail, since that plague was exceedingly great, and I find it interesting here, notice the attitude of the people who are left on earth. It becomes important when we get in chapter 20, the attitude of the people who are left on earth. So there is a great plague of hell, so you've got many buses falling on people. <laughs> it's just one way, a visual image of, if somebody gets hit with one of these stones, the hell stone, it's not good for them. And the people who are left, instead of, oh God, help, instead of, oh God, help, uh, they blame God and they blaspheme his name. So now, to make the connections, verse 17, it is done. Verse 19, the great city was divided into three parts. The great city is which city? Jerusalem. And this whole earthquake that is happening, if you remember the prophecies, it says when Jesus would re, will return, the Mount of Olives will be split in half and he will stand one foot to the east and one foot to the west. All of this stuff is happening. It, it is done with this seventh bowl that has been poured out into the air. The great hell is falling. Uh, one more verse in chapter 16 before we go to chapter 19. Right before the seventh bowl was poured out, what is happening? Chapter 16, verse 16, And they, being all of the earth dwellers, gathered them together to the place called in Hebrew, Armageddon. Why are they gathered in Armageddon? Not to attack Jerusalem. They have come together, all nations of the earth, to wage war against God. They have been led there by the false messiah, by the beast and the prophet they have been led. So what is the response? We just went through chapter 17 and 18, then two weeks ago nineteen, so flip to chapter nineteen, all the way down to verse eleven. Revelation nineteen eleven. Now I saw heaven open and behold a white horse, and he who sat on him was called faithful and true and in righteousness he judges and makes war. So verse 16 is Armageddon of chapter 16. The last verse of chapter 16, the great hailstones are falling, and it's not until we get to Revelation 19, 11, that the narrative picks back up. It's no wonder we get confused. When we read the book of Revelation, John is giving us so much information out of history future that we get a little cross-eyed when we try to line all these things up. So, now I saw heaven open and behold a white horse and he who sat on him was called faithful and true and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire and on his head were many crowns and he had a name written that no one knew except himself and he was clothed with a robe dipped in blood and his name is called the word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Remember in 19, we talked about who is this army that follows him? The only people described as clothed in fine linen, that is the robes of righteousness. These are those of us who have chosen Jesus prior to heaven being opened and him coming back. So we're going to include everybody in a minute as we talk, but remember... That's your key there, that clothed in fine linen And this verse, white and clean, means those who have been cleansed by the blood of the lamb and followed him on white horses. Why is he doing this? In response to 1616, Armageddon, the world has gathered against God to make war, and Jesus says, all right, that's what you want, this is what you're going to get. Verse 15, now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that with it he should strike the nations. Notice that's plural. That's every nation that is gathered at Armageddon. We talked about it last time. Is this a literal sword? I've always had that visual image in my head of a a sword going out. But how did God create the universe? With a word. We don't know the name that's written on his thighs. Probably king of kings, lord of lords, some name that means that. But it says here his name is called the word of God. And now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that with it he should strike the nations. And he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. That is setting up chapter 20. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun. Remember, that means the angel is brighter than the sun. And he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the birds that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather together for the supper of the great God, that you may eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses, and of those who sit on them, and the flesh of all people, free and slave, both small and great. And I saw the beast, the kings of the earth, and their armies gathered together to make war against him who sat on the horse and against his army. Then the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet who worked signs in his presence, by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. These two were cast alive into the lake of fire burning with brimstone. Notice that this is not Sheol. This is not the abyss. This is the lake of fire burning with brimstone. I can't remember if that's Gehenna. And so notice that this is where these are the first people being thrown. That's from my memory. So feel free to I don't remember before this anybody being thrown into the lake of fire. Notice that judgment is being passed on these two people who are being thrown into the lake of fire burning with brimstone.
1: Yeah, I was watching this documentary on YouTube and talking about why are people selling themselves to the devil? And some people
0: don't even really know it, but you know, this, this, uh, this woman riding on the dragon? Mm, yes. I want to say seductive. we'll get to it in chapter 20 so hang on to that thought he's actually jumping ahead of us into chapter 20 because we're going to talk about notice there's three people though that led the led together to Armageddon you had the false messiah you had the false prophet and the beast two of the three are now here in chapter 19 being cast into the lake of fire what about the third And the rest, being the rest of humanity, not that third, were killed with the sword which proceeded from the mouth of him who sat on the horse, and all the birds were filled with their flesh. With a word, all of these armies are destroyed. Let's get to chapter 20. Again, I'm going to read completely through the chapter without trying to break it down verse by verse, and we'll come back and do verse by verse. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold of the dragon, that serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. He cast him into the bottomless pit, the abyss, Abuso, and shut him up and set a seal on him, so that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years were finished. And after these things, he must be released for a little while. And I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God, who had not worshipped the beast or his image, and had not received his mark on their foreheads or on their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years." But the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. Now when the thousand years have expired, Satan will be released from his prison. And will go out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, whose number is as the sand of the sea. They went up on the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and beloved city, and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are. They will be tormented... Day and night, forever and ever. That's kind of like a life sentence plus a day. Uh, Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it, and from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life, And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Father, we come to you today and... As we get into this chapter, we're getting to see the end. We're getting to see the goal. We're getting to see the prize. We're getting to see the hope. Father, I do indeed pray that you'll let the scales fall from our eyes and you will let the hardness be melted by your goodness from our heart. Jesus, I know that right now we couldn't bear the full sight of you riding on your white horse with your robe dipped in blood. But you've given us the written unveiling through your prophet John. We need to focus on you, Jesus, as victor. Jesus, we focus on you, and the world doesn't mind terrible if we focus on you as the babe in the manger. The world doesn't really like it, but they don't get too stressed over Christ on the cross because the God of this age still sees your defeat in that action and still doesn't fully understand the victory gained. The world around us sees a shroud. They call it the Shroud of Turin. And they know of a grave in Jerusalem and they still believe the lies that you've already told us and your word would be lies that people stole away your body. And they believe Dan Brown and... His book that you married and you ran off to Italy or Spain. There's so many lies around us, Lord. There's rebellion against you in our heart. I don't understand that when we have a picture of you as conquering eternal righteous living word the very power of creation personified and yet we still want to do it our way and i'm glad father today to know that i've been in a a building with a church where so many of us, Father, have said, not my way, your way, Yahweh. Jesus, you are the only way. You are the truth and the life and the only way to the Father. And yet, still, Lord, if each one of us searches ourselves, we'll see the time after time that we have still chosen our way over your way. Where the lie, where the deception has been whispered and like a hungry fish we took the bait. Jesus, we need to see you as victorious, sovereign, Lord and King. Father, I pray as we get into chapter 20 of the book of Revelation that we will see you as the one who is victorious. And let us focus on your victory so that as we focus on your victory, as we set our eyes on you, on the goal, on the prize, that our eyes will be open to see through the lie. And that we will hold on to the truth because in truth Jesus you are giving us everything for life and life abundantly now and life everlasting to come let us see through the lie and let us hold on to you and let your unveiling be father that vision that we have as we hear the outcome of our enemy father let us know today that our enemy is guaranteed to be defeated and we don't have to yield to our enemy we only have to yield to you let your truth let your life let your light and your holy spirit fill us now father i pray the name of jesus lord i pray amen we get back into it in verse one then i saw an angel coming down from heaven having the key to the bottomless pit that's the abyss, the Abuso, and a great chain is in his hand. Now, I like this, uh, and we don't think about this enough. Uh, one of the commentators had uh, made mention to me, um, and we see in the book of Revelation, how do you know? We see the Apostle John responding to these angels and just fear and overwhelm. And yet, the Apostle Paul tells us in Corinthians that we will judge angels. So, we forget who we are in Jesus Christ. We've already heard a portion of it in chapter 19. We're going to hear more about it. We're part of that army. We're going to hear more about it here in chapter 20. And if you're like me, I have read chapter 20 over and over and over and over. And it wasn't until the last few days that I read chapter 20 and went, Oh, there we are. Oh, there we are. (laughs) And and it really resonated and made sense. So is this Gabriel that's going to come down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit and chain in his hand and lay hold of the dragon, that serpent of old, who is uh, the adversary and the accuser? and bind him for a thousand years this angel's not even given a name it just says an angel so where we tend to and even in church we tend to give the devil more power than the devil actually has and I think the power often lies in the rebellious human heart that follows the deception of the devil even more. And that's what is so... And it's told to us there. Laid hold of the dragon, that serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan. So if there's any question, it gives us to us right there. Who are we talking about? And just as we go into it, I'm flipping over so I can get the Greek. The devil is... Diablos, and that comes from accuser, slanderer, a treacherous informer, a traitor. So in Greek when that word was used, that word was used not as a proper name, but talking about a slanderous, a treacherous informer, a traitor. And it says, and Satan, and I'm looking through here to get an adversary, an opponent, an enemy. So we got dragon. We've got serpent. Why dragon? Why serpent? Thought somebody had responded real quickly. How? What was humanity's first sin? You mentioned it earlier this morning, Clay, and I like wanted to cheer because somebody got it. <laughs> because you were talking about the other thing. We fall over and over and over. The promise of the false Babylon is that we will be our own gods. Well, who was the first to whisper that lie? Who was a liar from the beginning, a murderer from the beginning? The dragon, the serpent, they're in the Garden of Eden. Understand when he told Eve that lie, not only did he lie to her, he knew that would spiritually and physically kill her. If you knew that you're going to walk up today to somebody and say something to them that would immediately result in their death, wouldn't you hesitate? The dragon, the serpent doesn't. Absolutely does not care the consequences of the words that he whispers into the hearts and the minds of people. But we find out that Michael back in the book of Daniel remember it was one of those that we're supposed to be reading the book of Daniel as we try to study the book of Revelations that, that the, uh, Michael was wrestling with the prince of Persia so was Michael dispatched to get rid of the devil uh uh-uh. uh an angel is sent to get rid why why is it so easy to get rid of him now Because he who is truth has revealed himself to the world. The world has seen. And remember, now we live by faith, not by sight. And when the world sees the truth, then the lie has no power. But we've been given the truth. Will we, and I'm talking all to myself too, So you know, uh, will we hold to the truth? How many times do I not hold to the truth? I've been given the truth and just some little imp. Y'all know what I mean when I say an imp, uh, a gremlin. It's just this insignificant little thing walks by and whispers this deceptive lie, and the next thing, I know I'm losing my temper, or I'm, or I'm getting depressed, or I'm, Whatever, you know, I'm ready to give up all because of a lie. And that is the battle that we fight every day. It's not taking up a sword and swinging like we'd. we'd love to go ahead and hop on our white horse and grab a sword and go to swinging. Jesus is going to come back and say, It's done. It's done. Enough people are going to die at his word that all of the carrying birds on the earth will have a feast and we keep believing a lie and, and that's what when we get into revelation that's what we're talking about and so the more I've read into it and the more I see it and the more I'm getting encouraged by it the big thing we've got to remember what is the, the proverb or the parable that Jesus told us will happen when we hear the truth there's going to be all kinds of things spring up to try to pull this away from us so we don't concentrate on the truth. The hardest thing that we have to do in this life as disciples is concentrate on the truth. Otherwise, and I, I hey, guys, gals and guys, I know I'm going to slip up too. I'm saying this not to say, hey, we're going to do this and all of a sudden we're going to be perfect. No, there is one who is perfect. I'm telling you, when you are imperfect, don't wallow in the mire of your imperfection. Concentrate on Jesus who is perfection. And we'll get into it because that, to me, the more I'm thinking about it, the more I'm getting excited, the more I am being challenged by the Spirit of God to figure out how in the busyness of my life to concentrate on, on him who is perfection. If you, if you figure it out, let me know. We're working on this thing together. Verse 3, and he cast him into the bottomless pit uh, and shut him up. I'd like to realize something there is hammering. I don't know why it's got to be bottomless. Uh, I guess if there's no bottom to it, you can't hit bottom and jump back up. There's nothing... So with it bottomless, I think it conveys that message. There's no way he can crawl out of this pit by himself. And shut him up and set a seal on him so that he should deceive the nations no more. And why couldn't we have just ended it right there? (laughs) You know, a period there would have been great. But there's not a period there. And because there's not a period there, it's why I believe in premillennialism and not amillennialism or postmillennialism or any other millennialism other than Jesus will literally come back to earth before the thousand year reign and every eye will see Jesus as Lord. I don't believe Jesus comes back spiritually. I believe Jesus comes back physically and spiritually. Why? That So that he should deceive the nations no more till... The thousand years were finished. And I like uh, Chuck Missler gives credit to Pastor Chuck Smith of saying if we're living in the millennium, then the angel put too long a chain on the devil because the devil's still running rapid in in the world we see today. In the millennial reign, the deceiver, the accuser, the slanderer, the gossiper, think about all these things now. He will not be running around to whisper in people's ears. For a thousand years, there will be no lie. It's exciting. We should be. And remember, this book was written to, written to people who were being killed for their faith. And this book was written as a way to encourage them and it should be the book that is encouraging us every day to handle with the things of life. However, but after these things, he must be released for a little while. Let's see, we get, we, we'll get down later. So John, once again, classical John the Revelator, starts a thought and then puts something else in between it. He don't like, man, can't you finish one thought? Nope. This time it's only a few verses, not three chapters, so it's improving. <laughs> uh, so, But after these things, he must be released for a little while. Verse 4. And I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God, who had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received his mark On their foreheads or on their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. But the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. Yeah, I know, and I've always thought that, but somehow in reading this over and over and over again, I've all there's always been that nagging little lie.
2: <laughs>
0: uh what if you missed the first resurrection? How do you know you're in the first resurrection? Cause you read this and in verse four, immediately I'm jumping over to the souls who had been beheaded for the word of God they had not worshiped the beast or his image. Now go, this is tribulation saints. Where are Where are we at? Well, we're there in verse 4. But I don't know. It's like, boom, in the last day or two, all of a sudden, this first part of the verse was there. And I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. That's me and you. It's like the verse suddenly appeared, or I've just been reading over that, that sentence over and over and just so focused on what was going to happen for the tribulation saints that I, I skipped over that part of thrones and they, and they sat on them and judgment was committed to them? Uh, we could take time. Is there... It, I'm trying to... I'm weighing out. How much time do we take to chase that down? So what I'll do, I'll, I'll borrow from Chuck Missler. <laughs> and I'll suggest you do homework. Because there are the good cross references like Serge talked about today, and the things that we talk about. So, what are you going to cross reference? Take the word thrones. Just use, and, and if you don't have, if you got an Apple device, I'll show you Esorb. If you need the five dollars to cover it, I'll cover it. Uh, you can search it with. I'm trying to think. Bible Gateway's got a search function, and I am talking King James New American Standard. Search the word thrones, and you will find out. In fact, let me just click, and I've got a wonderful reference tool here. It's called the Ultimate Cross-Reference Treasury. Uh, it used to be the New Scripture and thrones, and you go through and see it just pops up, and I've got one to the i got over a dozen cross-references to the word throne, and then when you go to each one, you can start chasing down thrones. Um, I like... This one out of Matthew. Uh, let's see. Here we go. So Jesus said to them, this is Matthew nineteen twenty-eight. So Jesus said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that in the regeneration, when the Son of Man sits on the throne of his glory, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. We know that Jesus was speaking to his the 12 apostles, but know that in the 12 apostles, they represent all of the church. Uh, We get over to 1 Corinthians. This is where it says, 1 Corinthians 6, 2, do you not know that the saints will judge the world? Now, that kind of removes all the ambiguity, doesn't it? Do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world will be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Verse 3, do you not know that we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life? And we go back to, uh, I mean, we missed it. Revelation 2, when he's talking to, I'm trying to think of which church this was in Revelation two thirteen, He says, I know your works and where you dwell, where Satan's throne is, and you hold fast to my name, and did not deny my faith even in the days when Antipas my faithful martyr was killed among you and then he goes on and he who, this is verse 26 of chapter 2 and he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end to him I will give power over the nations listen to verse 27 he shall rule them with a rod of iron they shall be dashed to pieces like the potter's vessels as I also have received from my father did somebody else just make that connection down at a deep level like I just did? We know with a, without a doubt that Jesus is going to rule the nations with a rod of iron. And Jesus is turning around and saying, If you will overcome this life by trusting in me, I am going to share that power and authority with you. That the that we're with your- Absolutely. We are co-heirs, co-rulers yeah. with Jesus Christ. We so often minimize the promise that we have been given and we forget about it. And we, and it is so easy, Revelation 3.21, to him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. It's sound, and so I don't, I can't visually explain that. But, but in that metaphor, we will share that authority in the millennial reign. In verse four, when it says, "And I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was committed to them," that's the Father. That's the Son. That's the apostles. And that's all of the saints of Jesus Christ who have believed in his name and been washed by his blood. So here's that one little sentence that is so pregnant that tells us where we're going to be for a thousand years. We'll get to the end of the book too and we're going to talk about New Jerusalem and those who have the right to go in and out of New Jerusalem. And we're going to find out that we are there, that we are in that millennial reign with him. And and the rest of that chapter goes on to talk about those who were martyrs in the tribulation. And they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. Uh, A lot of people, there's two big things that come up over and over. One, people come up with the idea that hell is going to be a party. I've already spoken, and I'll speak again on why that absolutely is not the case. But the other big lie that keeps coming up, well, heaven's going to kind of be boring, ain't it? We're just going to sit around on a cloud and play a harp. I think that's like Greek mythology or something. That's not the heaven that we are promised. So think about this. We're going to have a new body. That will be incorruptible, uh, immortal. You know, what's the old? There's an the old joke about things I used to do when I was young. And this morning I got up and stubbed my toe and went to the hospital. You, you just think about as we get older, we realize how fragile this body is. Can you imagine a body that could run through a wall and not even suffer any consequence? But you know, that's exciting. What's more exciting to me is I will have a body that will not control me. God will fully be in control of me and I will not be tempted by anything. I won't be distracted. I won't be tempted. I won't be weak. I won't feel sugar crash or hunger or any of that. For, and then I will be here for a thousand years, ruling with Jesus out of Jerusalem. It sounds like a fairy tale, doesn't it? But it is the promise of the word of God by whose power all of this world and everything in it was created. Clay. I have researched it some because I've come across that question. So, Clay asks Will free will continue then if we are incorruptible, if we can't be tempted? Yes, because we have chosen Jesus now. We have chosen that path. And I know people think free will means that you then must be tempted to sin. So, we're actually going to see how that's true for humans, but for humanity, on, our, on earth dwellers we will see that temptation for us and our new bodies we will see how we have overcome and made that choice to be in a place where we can't be tempted so we've made that choice now if you want to be tempted don't choose Jesus <laughs> and I know it sounds like an oversimplification but if you want to get to a place where you will never be tempted to violate God's will make that choice now and that's where we're going to see in a thousand years free will 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 be in existence for all of these earth dwellers who live here on the earth so that's where we get to verse 5 but the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were finished this is the first resurrection so he blends the two things together I wish he had put the first re- that that at the end of verse 4 and then put the but after this is the first resurrection. It's confusing. Maybe Greek grammar is different enough. It wouldn't have been as confusing in Greek grammar. That was my
2: question. I was going to after we got to that point. Uh, verse 5, when it says this is the first resurrection, it's got to be what he just
0: talked about. Right. Yeah. And I'm just looking. I'm not well. I'm not. I'm not good enough in Greek to understand. But looking at it at the Apostolic Bible Polyglot, uh, it finishes verse four with a period, then starts verse five with an "and," which is a conjunction. So basically, and, the, that starting at "and." Is kind of like an insert. It's a parenthesis. And the rest of the dead did not live until... And the rest of the dead did not live until... Should be fulfilled the thousand years. Semicolon. This is the resurrection first. He inserted a thought in between what he was thinking. It's confusing to us in English because an English teacher would have really... What are they? This it's like a run-on sentence almost. They would have Clay. You had a thought about this. Ah. So why did he say the rest of the dead did not live again until a thousand years? This is the first resurrection. So yeah, I flipped over to the. Uh, See, it looks like he's saying, but the rest of the dead live not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. But this is the first resurrection is not referring to the sentence before it. It's referring to the sentence before that. And when I go to the easy-to-read version, which is a little bit of a commentary, they actually put in, I don't think you have it there. I wish, in the easy-to-read version, it has actually got parentheses around the section that says, the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were ended. So he, right in the middle of this thought, he said, but the rest of the dead won't live again until this thousand years is finished. So if you take... Those dead, if they're there, they're going to we're going to get to them, but it's another one of those where he started the thought and then he's going to come back to it in a few verses later. I think John was so excited by this point that he's just, and even remembering it, he's starting to go. Well, I need to tell him about this. Hey, don't forget this, and I need to tell. And then I need to go back. And then I need to go back. (laughs) And I just see it sort of as a writer who's so excited with information he can't contain himself and keeps making these insertions. I got the
2: amplified Bible here for this. Okay.
0: Yes, please.
2: Yeah. In brackets, did not come to life again until the thousand years were completed. This is the first resurrection. So that rest of the dead is the non-believers. Right. Having that makes the sentences a lot more
0: Yes. And that's one of the things I was going to bring up when we do read it, and what it whichever version as we read that, the clue there, when it said the rest of the dead is the clue that we're talking about unbelievers. So the and the other part of what John's trying to say is those who are unbelievers they are not going to be resurrected and live through this 1000 years. That's the other thought that he's trying to convey to us is only those who only the saints of God and the martyrs through the tribulation will be resurrected and live through the 1000 years. So That's where we're getting to in just a few right. verses.
2: Right, so they're not, they're not being raised to do any living. They're just being raised to be judged and cast into the second death.
0: Exactly. And so now we get to verse 6. Blessed and holy. Ooh, I like that part. Because I don't feel real holy right now. I don't want to lie. But blessed and holy is he and she who is part in the first resurrection. That's me and you. Remember, Jesus is the first fruits of the first resurrection. The first resurrection started with Jesus Christ and goes all the way through up until, remember we said that last bowl doesn't get poured out until everybody on earth who has accepted Jesus Christ has accepted Jesus Christ, and the only people left on earth, the earth dwellers, they're going to blaspheme him. Nobody else is going to accept him. That's when those bowls are poured out. That's when Jesus Christ says, You didn't have faith. You said you had to see me. So here I am. But you're dead now. We'll come back to you in a thousand years. And I, I kind of want you to take, understand that. You know, hey, I'm here now, but boom, you're dead. There will be a few who will live through that. We know the 144,000 Jewish people We'll live through that. We do know that there will be humans uh, because when it talks about there at Armageddon, Jesus is not killing every human being in the world. It is the armies gathered at Armageddon. Made
2: war
0: yes. So there will be people who are non believers, there will be a handful of people along with the Jewish people who are protected. Remember, they've been protected down in Petra and the 144. So you've got got the Jews who have been protected and the few Gentiles who were protected. And they will go into this 1,000-year period. And that is who Jesus and we will be ruling and reigning over for 1,000 years. I saw a hand go up. Is that what you're asking, is the time? Why does it exist? Uh, I didn't prepare the cross-references for that. It is a promise, so God is always good to his promises, and I'm trying to remember where the cross-references for those promises are at. Let me see if I can pull it up out of the commentary. God did promise Israel that... He would reign from earth and that they would be blessed for a thousand years. Now I'm trying to remember where that prophecy is at. Also an opportunity for man to live
3: without Satan. Right.
0: And we're going to see the purpose of that in a second. So we get back to, you'd have to go back into Isaiah and Jeremiah. Uh, and you, it's, a, it's a worthwhile study to figure out the millennium or the millennial reign. In fact, that is what hung up the people when Jesus came the first time, is they were looking at the prophecies of his millennial reign and thought they were going to rule and reign with him right then and there, and they did not understand because they didn't want to understand the prophecies of the suffering servant must come before the prophecies of the uh, Messiah and his thousand-year reign. I'm trying to... Oh, yes, they were. Because remember, that was the whole thing that James and John went and got Mama. Mama, we need you to talk to Jesus because we want to sit on his right hand and his left hand when he's ruling and reigning. And they got Mama to come up to talk to Jesus.
2: that's why Peter drew his sword. He was ready to fight for
0: the kingdom. And So that is a critical thing that you must realize. Peter drew his sword to fight for the millennial reign of jesus christ and jesus said nope not now peter that's why judas rejected him and that's why peter rejected him the difference is judas did not repent he took his own life peter waited around and repented but both of them all the disciples so really and I, i picked all of this up and i'm sorry i'm going blank on where to find all of these prophecies of the millennium but when i went through the book of matthew over a three and a half year period teaching it it became so real that it was the millennial reign that the disciples were looking for and that's why they were utterly confused until the day essentially the day of pentecost and they went ho! Oh, now it's all clear <laughs> and it Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's one of those things where... And if you go through, really it is Isaiah and Ezekiel. If you go get into those prophets, and you will hear that promise over and over again. I was trying to... uh, Again, Matthew 25, and if we went over to Matthew 25, 31 through 46... Uh, we, it's, it's a big section there. and you, Oh, ah why did you do that? I hate when it does that. That's the only thing I don't like about using eSword is Guzik's Commentary, which has got good stuff. Did I just switch chapters? I was like, yep, it switched chapters on I me. Mean, don't switch chapters. He's got a whole article here here we go. All right, Some of what we know of the millennium from other passages of Scripture. Thank you, David Guzik. <laughs> uh, during the millennium, Israel will be the superpower of the world. It will be the leading nation in all the earth. And the center of Israel will be the mountain of the Lord's house, the Temple Mount, which will be the capital of the government of the Messiah. All nations shall flow to the capital of the government of Jesus and he's quoting Isaiah 2, 1 through 3 and then he's quoting Ezekiel 17, 20 through 22 through 24 what was the question? yes, Mount, Mount Zion bingo bingo they always wanted to be worshipped in the high places because they were trying to imitate the authority of God. Uh, during the millennium, the citizens of the earth will acknowledge and submit to the lordship of Jesus. It will be a time of perfectly administrated, enforced righteousness on the earth. Isaiah 21, 1-5. During the millennium, there will be no more war. There will still be conflicts between nations and individuals, but they will be justly and decisively resolved by the Messiah and those who reign with him. Just go ahead. Somebody gets into our argument. Me and Tracy on the way here today saw a man and a woman who the man could barely drive the car. At one time, we think we were debating on calling 911 and trying to figure out how because it looked like they were trading blows in the car. We won't have to even figure out how to call 911. Then we will be 911. We would pop up in the middle of the van in between the two and say, Y'all stop this foolishness right now. This is not Messiah approved behavior. <laughs> I mean, we, we will have a body like Jesus. We'll be able to go in and out of the walls. We'll be able to. That may very well be possible for those who are still living here. We may know the cause. We may pop in the middle of that van or chariot or whatever and go You're right, you're wrong, or you're wrong, and you're wrong, and here's the right what answer. Prior
2: the
0: would think it was going on? Yes. Yeah, yeah. They thought Big Brother, well wait till it's Big God ruling from Jerusalem. <laughs> uh here is the other thing. So what's that? <laughs> right and there may very well be <laughs> But go also Right. Give
2: me the just
0: the So, and that's where we get here. He also says during the millennium, the way animals relate to each other and to humans will be transformed. A little child will be safe and able to lead a wolf or a leopard or a young lion or a bear. I know that's out of Isaiah. Yes, even the danger of predators like cobras and vipers will be gone. In Genesis 9, 2 through 3, the Lord gave Noah and all mankind after him the permission to eat meat. At the same time, the Lord put the dread of man and animals so they would not be effortless prey for humans. Now in the reign of the Messiah, that is reversed. For this reason, many think that in the reign of the Messiah, the millennium, humans will return to being vegetarians as it seems they were before Genesis 9, 2 through 3. And that he's uh, Isaiah 11:6 through 9. The wolf shall also dwell with the lamb. The leopard shall, shall lie down with the young goat. The calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. One of my favorite, uh, which one is that? Peace in the valley. And I love that second verse where it's got it's out of this uh, verse. So what about the lion, right? So we're not going to eat meat. The cow and the bear shall graze. Their young ones shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. There is such a radical change that not even the animals will be eating each other. (laughs) The nursing child shall play by the cobra's hole, and the weaned child shall put his hand in the viper's den. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Uh, during, the millenni- during the millennium, King David will have a prominent place in the millennial earth ruling over Israel. I believe that is Jesus, who is the son of David. Uh, he's got Isaiah 55, 3 through 5, uh, Jeremiah 34 through 11, Ezekiel 34, 23, Hosea uh, Amos 9, yep. Uh, That's where I'm. So, there is a bunch of. I'm not even all the way through what David Gusick has about this. It is a huge topic worth studying, but I encourage you to think about this thousand years every time you read the Old Testament. Just like we look for Jesus Christ when we read the Old Testament be looking for the promise that God has given when we read the Old Testament to us and understand that when he makes that promise to Israel that for a thousand years, they're the superpower on earth, well, we will be judging and ruling over the earth's superpower then. Yes. Yeah, we'll be, if we are, so if we die before then, then, when the last trump shall sound, not the trump of revelation, that's a whole different reference to like a victory trumpet at the end of a war. The dead in Christ shall rise. And, and so we got, man, I've lost the verse. The dead in Christ, in, in a moment, in a twinkling of the eye, the dead in Christ shall rise, and we shall, and we shall rise up into the air to meet them, and we shall be transformed in the twinkling of an eye which is, I've always thought that was, but in everybody's just milliseconds. Now we can kind of sort of get an idea of a measurement. It's a, have heard of what, a sixth of a second is the twinkling of an eye. So in that moment, this body will die and be transformed and resurrected into a body that is incorruptible and immortal. It's just awesome. <laughs> I'm ready. I just hope that it will be this body will be on a diet when it's transformed i'm just (laughs) i really do (laughs) yeah it will (laughs) well so and, and then we'll get into some more there even then i mean jesus was able to eat fish and honeycomb so we know that we will be able to eat but we won't have to eat because our source of energy won't be the food we take our source of energy will be getting close to the source because then there will be no unholiness in us to prevent us from stepping inside the radiance that is almighty, eternal God. That's exciting, (laughs) and I'm ready for it, but this body couldn't handle it. So that's why we can't do that right now. Uh, During the millennium, there will be a rebuilt temple and restored temple service on the millennial earth as a memorial of God's work in the past. During the millennium, saints in the resurrected state will be given responsibility in the millennial reign or in the millennial earth according to their faithful service. So that's where you've got that parable of a, the parable of the talents. So the one that had five was given five more. The one that had... One was... Ten... Got ten minas. Very little I'll give you have authority over ten cities. Master, your mina has earned five minas. He said, you'll have. Now, the other said, here is your mina. I put it away for you in a handkerchief. Uh Uh-uh. You didn't have saving faith if you're going to hide what I've given you and not use it for the kingdom. If you won't use what you have now for the kingdom of God, you need to check your faith. (laughs) I mean, one of the things that scares me more than anything else, a sinner knows that they're a sinner. But there are frozen chosen that fill church pews who have never come to a saving faith and they think they're in the kingdom, but they're not. And so let me tell you, you don't have to be fooled like that. There's a real easy check. Are you willing to use whatever ability you have to serve the kingdom of God? For some of us it's teaching. For some of us, it's singing. For some of us it's having beautiful commentaries in a Bible study. For some of us it's serving food. It's there's all manners. It's Sam, you've been working with the pastor the past week doing for Jesus says, if anyone will give a cup of cold water to the least of these, they shall not lose their reward. Well, how can you refuse to do anything for the kingdom of God and think that He's gonna make you a ruler over ten cities? Sorry, I'm meddling. I'll go back to <laughs> that's what I mean by it's uncomfortable. I get it uh, <laughs> but it needs to be said and it needs to be heard because there are people that are fooling themselves, but there's a real easy way for them not to be fooled. Um, Revelation first part did it rain thousand years. Okay. Revelations chapter 20 verse 7. That was a fun thing we veered off on, and it was worth it. (laughs) Now when the thousand years have expired, Satan will be released from his prison. So the adversary will be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, whose number is as the sand of the sea. So there's part of your number. People are going to be breeding and multiplying during the millennium uh but here's the thing that is just amazing we've talked briefly about the battle of gog and magog it occurs when if you remember your timeline nope so that's going to be the tricky thing because that's what i've thought for a long time chuck missler i got his dvd i want to, maybe we'll bring it in some do we have a way to play a dvd If I were to bring that DVD in, would that be after we get through Revelation, would we want to do that? Because he's a real detailed on Gog and Magog, and it's something we need to understand. Uh, But where that happens is after the rapture, probably after the rapture, before the Antichrist, nations will come against Israel, and God will destroy them, and the Antichrist will stand up and take credit for it. But they, the Gog, who is basically Russia and Turkey and all the northern European countries, are going to march against Israel and will be destroyed in a moment. And that's what's going to kick off the seven-year tribulation period. So now, after that example, 1,007 years later, may not be there may be some more time in there but you kind of get that one thousand seven years later all of these people who we've been ruling and reigning over and jesus has been here and everything has been righteous lions haven't been eating them nobody's been stealing anything because if somebody goes to swipe it we're right there and going oh no you don't want to do that that don't make messiah happy You're like, okay okay i really wasn't doing. it i just i wasn't doing it i just i'll put it back yeah you know and i'm So we'll be there for a thousand years of this. Life on earth will be as absolutely perfect as life on earth can be. So think Garden of Eden for a thousand years. At the end of a thousand years with all of these number of the sands of the sea Gentiles Israel's been the ruling superpower the adversaries let out and within just a moment or two of him being let out, he's gathering armies again to fight against God. First of all, how stupid you gotta be. You done tried this. How many times now? Twice at least? Let's just give him benefit of the doubt. Say twice. Well, first time I, the only reason you're out is because you were let out. Exactly. <coughs> so first time you tried gathering angels. How did that work out? It didn't. Second time you tried gathering all humanity, and Jesus came back on his horse, and he said, "Mm-mm," and that was it. And you were put in the abyss for a thousand years. I, and evidently, one of the commentators said, "Evidently, remember the demons were demons were scared of the abyss because they begged Jesus." Let us go into that herd of swine and do not cast us into the abyss. I got kind of sort of got my idea why. After a thousand years of that, dude is out again and he's gathering an army to fight God again. And that's why it says like Gog and Magog. God was like, gang, I'm going to protect Jerusalem. It's done. However, there goes that free will thing again. For a thousand years, humanity has lived essentially in the Garden of Eden. If any one of us has ever said, I wouldn't have done what Adam or Eve did, right here is proof that yes, you would. If you lived a thousand years directly under the rule of God with no sin, with no sickness, I mean very, very, very little, because I said if a person dies before, was it a hundred years, it'll be thought of a great tragedy in this millennial reign the have a sin they'll have a sin nature exactly we won't, we won't but the humans who continue will the is they
2: won't have to them right.
0: in bingo for a thousand years they won't have it right. there you go All it took was a little bit when God gave his creatures free will. All it took was the slightest little hint for us to rebel against him. (laughs) So that's what's going to happen at a thousand years. They're going to have that little hint again. They're going to go, yep, we're tired of this Jesus Christ dude telling me what to do. If I want to steal a candy bar, I'll steal a candy bar. How dare him tell me I can't take what I want when I want it. And so this that idea, that attitude that is going to lead this whole nation. Verse 9, they went up on the breadth of the earth, not just Armageddon. They went up on the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints in the beloved city. So what's God going to do now? Is God worried? Uh Uh-uh. And fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. He's not even going to let the birds eat him because remember now birds are eating straw. And fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. There is a... It's in Ezekiel. And I'm pretty sure it's in Ezekiel. And... uh, Some people talk about this as like nuclear warfare, but there is in Ezekiel where Ezekiel had a vision of this happening and everybody surrounded just immediately turned to ash uh, it is if you can ever catch that visual image and maybe i've been reading too much ezekiel and i do remember having a dream where i was present when this happened but i wasn't turned to ash I just remember being present and a whole group of people around, and they melted into ash in front of me, and I was walking through the ashes. As I was probably reading that passage out of Ezekiel, and it was in my mind, but it's one of those dreams you can't shake. And It's like, oh, okay. Maybe you were in that encounter. You know, I kind of sort of had maybe it was more than a dream because I've never been able to forget that dream. But, it, what, I mean, we'll be there. Maybe we'll be there trying to say, hey, 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 are you sure you really want to do this? Are you sure you really want to do this? This is not the best thing to do. And, woof, it was just everybody melting into ash. I don't know how to explain it any other way than that. And it, it was a very powerful experience to go, you know, you don't fool around. with You either serve God or you don't. There is no opposing God in being victorious. Then we get to verse 10. The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. So why is the lake of fire a place of torment day and night forever and ever? Personally, I believe that every living creature, I know for humanity, God breathed into a lump of clay, and it became a living being or a living soul. I believe each one of us then somehow, cause God can give and never become less. So understand that concept. Like Kinda like a fire, that's, that's a good uh, analogy or metaphor. He never becomes less even if he breathes his eternal soul into a person. He doesn't become less eternal or less infinite. But every creature, every angel, every human being has been created and been giving that spark of, I mean, even false religions try to teach, and that's why I get nervous saying it. But there is that spark of eternity in every living soul that's why i don't believe in annihilation there are some groups that'll talk about you know it ain't really so bad if you reject god if you're wrong whether that he's just going to wipe you out it'll be like going to sleep and you'll never know it uh-uh. god created you with his eternal spark he meant for you to live in his presence forever Well, we're certainly going to fight against that until the end because that's what the Bible teaches us and that, that's the exact we need to understand what Sam's saying there is a whole community that is being deceived and lied to and buying into the lie and how do you fight that deception you don't fight fire with fire it's the goodness of the Lord that leads people to repentance And that's what we need to be sharing with is the goodness of the Lord. The goodness is you don't have to be burnt by this fire. You can be clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Clay, you had a... A what now? (laughs) A quarantine for evil. A quarantine for evil. I agree with you. I like the way, I don't think I can repeat it exactly the way he says, uh, but I like the way Frank Church tries to explain hell to people is God gives them what they want. They say, God, I don't want you. Right. So that's the whole key. God is too loving to force you into his presence. What then is this lake of fire? It is the perfect absence of the presence of God. God is light. God is love. God is life. So, and I know somebody was asking, is God present in hell? I know in Sheol God still is able to see everything going on in hell, but the people in hell are separated from his presence. So that means you're separated from light. You're in a lake of fire. You don't have a whole bunch of light like inside a volcano and a guy with a, a red suit and a pitchfork poking you you have no light no life so you're dying constantly and I believe reliving every opportunity throughout your life you had to accept Christ yes favorite song by Skillet by the way Left with a point. So like, Yes. If you, that kind of sounds like a bottomless pit. like you like, suit in space, it out,
2: it you don't to But uh, cold. Yes.
0: And there you have, and I honestly, I have four years believed. It says it's burning with uh, brimstone, but the idea of the brimstone is once you light a, a brimstone, that sucker burns for a long time. It's what, so that it, it's not something that ever eases up. And once you are quarantined from the presence of God, there's no easing up on that. And we're not rejoicing in that. We're rejoicing that Jesus has made a way for people not to have to go undergo that. Uh, We've got a few more verses. Do we want to try to knock through these or do we want to pick it back up next week at verse 11 and talk about the great white throne judgment? All right. I think people are hesitant. (laughs) think we'll pick up next week at verse 11 and talk about the great white throne judgment for me now it's really simple but i've been doing a lot of studying (laughs) Uh, there may be questions like the millennium question which is excellent because it is a worthwhile study to spend time on what is the millennial reign of christ and to understand why we are not currently in the millennial reign of christ any other questions about what we covered today? We went through. I was thinking it was chapter seventeen. Did we ever? Were we able to answer your question somewhere in there, or was it fourteen? Yes. Yeah, fourteen was. Okay. Because that was kind of me about twenty. I had that same. Uh, ambiguity there in 14 until that suddenly that sentence appeared which I didn't remember that sentence before (laughs) so hopefully and I remember it was sort of a similar thing like that about the timing and that's the hard thing of where we get with all of these things is trying to figure out John's timing yes sir
1: Yeah. If they look at it and they say, eh then, you know, that makes the devil say get make it easier for them to get the devil to get into their heads and say, Oh, you know, I'll be good or maybe or whatever. Whatever the devil tells them. So that's you know, let's follow past the process and help them build this church up. Yeah.
0: I like that idea. I Like that. I got a yes sir. cross-reference here. Here we go. Yeah. Yeah. Right, Matthew 24, 22. Unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved, but for the elect's sake those days will be shortened. Thank goodness for good searching. I remember the part about the elect and I was able to search for the elect and Matthew 24 is that uh, what do they actually call it? Yeah, it's uh, so you got Matthew. It's the Olivet. Is that the Olivet discourse? So that that is one of those very very important chapters to read through because in it he is he is telling uh, basically what in Revelation and it brings it all together. Yep, Matthew chapter twenty-four, verse twenty-two. Well, I'm glad you asked. Now we were able to get you there.
2: Yeah,
0: I did that. I forget. You're not the only one. There's a. In fact, the the same man that gave us that parable also told us that there is little birds that'll try to steal away what we get. (laughs) All right. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for your grace and for your mercy. I thank you for the encouragement that as we talk about this millennial reign. Father, I pray that we won't lose this encouragement. We're about to get back out into a world where Uh, I don't believe the people are demons, but I definitely believe that there are evil spirits that are controlling people. Sam's headed back out into a community, Lord, and we just saw parts of that community in the short time that uh, there were some who, who came. So, Father, we can't imagine the things that are being seen, and I pray that you will equip and anoint Sam to be your faithful witness in that community. Father, give him the power to speak your truth and love and to be a shining light in a community that is filled with darkness. And I pray, Father, that he will not be overcome by the darkness, but that in doing good, he will overcome the darkness in your name. And Father, that's the same for all of us. Uh, I won't lie. And I've got to confess that I get nervous about getting in the car and losing my witness for you. And somehow, God, I have got to keep that perspective that uh, there's spiritual forces at work and play. They know where my goat's tied, and they're trying to get the goat. And I let them. There's coming a day and a time, Lord, where I won't ever have to worry about that. And I don't need to start judging now. And that would relieve a whole lot and there'd be a lot more peace that'd make my wife even happy. Father, it's gotta be us focusing on you, Jesus Christ. As good as the food is that has been provided every Sunday we still get hungry again after we eat the food. There's a day, the wedding feast of the lamb where there at your banquet table, we will eat from a table where the food never ends and where we'll never be hungry again. Kind of hurts my head to think of it now. You've promised us, and I go back to that, and it was in my devotional. That's what we're talking about as we look into the millennial reign, that you have promised to give us life and life more abundantly. That little imp whose only power is his ability to lie and to deceive. He deceives us out of our joy in you so often, Jesus. Because he knows how to make those lies tasty. And that deception alluring. Jesus, I pray, as we're studying you, as we are studying your truth, let your truth prevail in our minds In our hearts i pray that you continue by your holy spirit to change our heart so that we will to do your will and that my will would never be separate from yours i know the day is coming i look forward to that day so father every time that i have a battle now and i'm praying this not just for me but for everyone Every time I have a battle now to do your will, let me remember that there is a day coming when I will be glad to do your will because your will and my will will be perfectly aligned to your way. That ought to make it easier to yield now and be obedient to you. So, Father, send us out from this place empowered with your fire that is passionate and burning with your goodness and with your light and a willingness, Father, to tell this world about your way that is the best way, and that is the way of Jesus Christ. Father, let us begin to live in the millennial reign, your reign, as you reign in our hearts now. In the name of Jesus Christ, Father, I pray.